Hey there, it's me, Jeff Holbrook, inviting you to uh, join us for the first of uh, a three-show experiment that I like to call Countdown to the Assembler. Now, what is the Assembler, and why the heck are we counting down to it via three podcast episodes? Well, the Assembler is uh, a new show for Assembler FM. Obviously, by the title, I consider it the flagship show, and it's, uh, it's I guess it's my show. It's, it's a show that moves forward in the spirit of uh, art technique which came before it and uh, up for challenge and uh, and other things that we've done to go out there and find out what's happening in the world of art and technology and what happens when they meet who's doing interesting things out there uh, in Atlanta in the country in the world and I'm gonna go out and go on this little mission of peaceful exploration to sort of see what is out there we did a little experiment in January 2016. I got together a lot of the uh, the usual crew, the um, formerly the Polar Studios creative team, although that has sort of evolved into something else and everyone's moved on to do their own thing. Um, but I managed to get everyone back in a room for one day, New Year's Day of 2016. And we uh, spent the day uh, recording what would become these episodes that focus on what is art, what makes good art, um, where are things going. It was so big that uh, I had to chop it up, like I said, into these three episodes. So here's the first of the countdown to the assembler. See? <laughs> uh, okay. We're back on. We're back on. We're working on Semaphore. Fantastic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I don't know what I will keep of that original soft opening or not, but uh, we had a little cutout, so we, uh, we, which is a state tradition of starting a new show, is having some sort of recording <laughs> interference or cutout. Um, and uh, and so there we go. Uh, if if I have to do this again, I'll, I'll, I'll put this in. If I don't, we'll see. But if I have to, uh, this is The Assembler. This is a show where uh, I, Jeff Holbrook, run around and I explore things that are going on in uh, art and creativity and technology and whatever uh, is interesting to me this week, this month, however often the show uh, actually comes out. Um, it happens to be the first of the year right now of uh, 2016, but I kind of want these shows to be evergreen, so, uh, you know, who knows when this will actually be released. Maybe I'll batch them up, but who cares? Um, I've got a bunch of interesting people in this room, and I would love to do some introductions, starting with you. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Sarah Lynn Herman. Uh, you might know me for, um, from, I can't talk today. You might know me from Up for a Challenge. Um, I also work as an actor in Atlanta, and I also uh, make masks for Rogue Masks. Hi there, I'm Aaron Gottlieb from Art Technique Podcast from the early Polar Studios. Uh, I am an actor, a director, and playwright, and... Uh, just got back from finishing my master's degree in physical and devised theater. Hey, my name is uh, Adam Montag, and I'm an educator uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, working for Children's Theater of Charlotte, and uh, also part of Up for a Challenge and some other podcasts we used to do as well. Hi, I'm Scott B. Smith. I am a writer of various stripes. I've helped with the uh, cricket comics in a number of ways and that's about it and i'm jeff and i'm taking a piano right now yeah, you picked the perfect time <laughs> i usually do this is podcasting gold <laughs> <laughs> that's right large moments of silence 
That's okay. People these days have things called smart speed on their on their uh, podcast players. Where it where speeds they up. Silence, but they oh. keep the pitch uh, the same. That's and nice. you can also uh, you can skip silence and increase the the speaking rate. Uh, as I've well. seen the increase the, the speaking rate. Or if yeah. uh, skip opinions you don't agree with, you just don't even have to listen to them anymore. You can just yeah. yeah we wouldn't <clears throat> challenge or reevaluate our positions on anything. <laughs> <laughs> with new information. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, this has been fun. Everyone flip a table. Done. Take your toys and go home. Um, I'm so excited to have everybody here uh, because you all have different interests. We, we have overlap, obviously, because we know each other and, and we're friends and I'm doing that. I am just embracing the fact that I'm doing that, you know, get my friends together to make a, a, a internet radio show. And uh, everyone's got a podcast now, it seems to be. Like, everyone's, you know, when before you left uh, to go to Italy a couple years ago, it seemed like the trend was everyone's about to get a podcast, and now that you come back, basically everyone and their grandmother has a podcast. So, yeah, anyway, so anyone, everyone now is turning to their microphones and has a show, it seems like. And listening to them. One of the, and it used to be that Adam was the least technologically uh, interested person I know. Like, he just, he found other ways to, to connect and I've met in in my uh, European cohort somebody who really is still struggling with the basic concepts of email, um, and he listens to podcasts. I mean, he listens to even you know niche weird podcasts. He's currently got one that's going through like a a line by line analysis of James Joyce's Ulysses. Oh wow! And oh, like the Irish saying, the greatest novel ever written, right? Ulysses, <laughs> Ulysses, Ulysses. 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 That's how they pronounce it. So he's doing a line by line. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, this word was chosen because it could mean any of these six things. And he's he's just fascinated with this this minute detail exam yeah. of the book. Because cool. people are into what they're into now. Mm-hmm. And and everyone's 15 minutes of fame has come, right? Everyone has uh, ha- has some kind of platform now if they if they want it, if they're into that. You know, anyone can can publish a book on Amazon. Anyone can can slap together a a, a podcast or radio show or whatever you you want to call it and like when i look at when i look at uh who is participating in in our stuff you know when back when you used to look at the lips and you'd see that you're getting downloads from all over the world and we thought that was really neat and that was really oh that's cool and you you feel special for about two seconds and then you realize wait a minute i think everyone is getting downloads from all over the world or i, I would like to at least assume that that's the case and rather than that making anything that we produce not feel so special that actually engages me more because it's like if everyone out there in the world is putting some little thing out there someone else from some other part of the world is is picking up just counting the robots you know the spam robots or whatever if everyone is out there even picking up one little idea from somebody else even if it's for like 15 minutes i think that's pretty neat but i don't, I don't know that we're going to see the effects of it for a long long time yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i think it'll be like tertiary effects like things just grow in the kind of world consciousness because we've all been swapping these ideas yeah. Do you think uh, there'll ever be the critical mass of uh, there's just too many ideas out there that it, it just ah. not, it just becomes noise? You know it's what I mean? Good. Like, because yep. I mean that's uh, it feels like you know that's what books and academic and things it's it's still shiny and new enough that you know people are uh, doing it for the first time as opposed to uh, I guess it being sort of this ubiquitous thing that you grow up and it's just always there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think, too, the thing with ideas is you also have to have follow-through. So you can have the idea and you can talk about the idea, but then it's the longer and longer you go, the more 
people sort of drop off. You know what I mean? So especially like in the creative community, if you have an idea, you have to think long term. And by when you're like our age, half the people you know are no longer in the arts because they. Well, they're, they're engaged in their life. They've yeah, they've been engaged. Yes, so exactly. Got, right. Like things change. And so, you know, you get new ideas and you follow those ideas. So I think it all sort of branches out. So I don't know if it would ever just be white noise because I think the ones that are really poignant will sort of break through that mm-hmm. ceiling or but whatever. shifting that, I have to say, what's the goal? What's the goal? Uh, like, that's where I was going to go. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Take it and run with it. But um, why do you make the thing? Yeah. Does it matter to you as the speaker that it is heard by... The most people, the right people, or just needs to be out there available to be heard. Sure. Is what it is therapy, or is it art, or is it... Why are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> Were you backing off from saying commercial at the last moment there? Oh, no, I wasn't. I, but I, would, I guess you're right. See, that is right. the third tier. Right. I, no, I just... My mind blanked. I couldn't think of what the third tier was, so you, you saved me. So what <laughs> well, I'll good, do is no. I'll, say, I'll leave a blank space. I'll say... Commercial, and I'll just put that in. <laughs> <laughs> and edit Aaron gets completely cut out. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the show where I assemble everyone else's brilliant ideas. And then turn into it into a monologue. Model. Model. <laughs> <laughs> just like oh. George Lucas. I'm interested. In, uh, I, I was hoping that you would pull that in there because you're usually the guy yeah. that comes in with the, you know, how much, how much is it just noise? How much yeah. is it? You know, and I, not to be like the, God, I can't believe I'm this guy. Something. Not to be like the, like the, you're going to be the optimist art for arts guy. Yeah. yeah. I guess I am. Yeah. But, okay. I don't know that it's great to just do it for therapy. Maybe the first time it is, you know, maybe like, okay, I need to just put something out there. Like, like the people that like will write one song. Oh, there goes a gel. Well, like the people that will write uh, a song, you know, and they'll write it once and they'll do it at no shame or some sure. venue like that. And then they did it. And okay, I did it. It was a thing. Okay, oh, whew, I'm so scared. And, you know, and I did it, whatever. And Only was, the first one's impossible. Well, yeah, yeah. But that was, there's a, a level of like therapy to that, right? Sure. The level of, can I do it? I did it. I got this, whatever it is sitting on my heart. I got it out, right? Um If you only continue doing it for those reasons, not that they're not valid, but that seems a little uh masturbatory i wasn't gonna say it but that's exactly what i was thinking i, I knew you were trying to dance around that trying yeah. To get around it, but yeah it does cathartic mm-hmm. yeah. maybe this makes me feel good and that's and that's one thing um but i do think that certain kinds of art are validated by having the second side of the channel which is if you need to make it for someone mm-hmm. um and, and I'm starting to wonder, well, how many someone's, what's the size of the audience anymore if everyone is now in a position where it is easy to create stuff and people do, everyone, everyone's got an idea. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone wants to make something. And if two or three people hear it, is that a waste of their time or is that okay? I don't have an answer. Well, I don't think it's a waste because if... Even if two or three people hear it, while maybe that's not your ideal, it's still affecting change, right? I mean, think about a lot of the great poets and artists who didn't hit fame until after they were dead. You know what I mean? They weren't appreciated then, and now they've had some of the biggest impacts on on like art history. Like I think of Van Gogh, you know, who was... I was thinking of that too, just because I watched that Doctor Who episode. The other oh, were you? Yeah, no, so I haven't exactly even. That's exactly where my brain went. <laughs> um, but like, really and truly, because everyone laughed at him, and and 
didn't appreciate his work and and his vision until. But he couldn't hear it, what they were saying. Was, he so. couldn't because you know he chopped the, one ear off on. and then, sure. <laughs> you know, went out into that cornfield. But uh, it's but a lot of poets have the same thing. I mean, Emily Dickinson wasn't you know, appreciated until after she died and someone found all of her little scribbles. Can you yeah. imagine if Emily Dickinson had something like uh, uh, like a live journal back in the day? Or, or would Emily Dickinson ever have gotten... Uh, I know she, her stuff was, you said, posthumous, but, like, would, would we care if that same feelings and emotions that she had that created these things that she written down and kept to herself had been published out somewhere on the Internet for everyone to troll and everyone to comment on and for her to... Feel this kind of cynical backlash of well, maybe I shouldn't have shared that. Like, mm-hmm. would, could but I also don't. I mean, I think you have to look at the personality because I mean, like, I mean, I create stuff and I I don't usually talk about it on on social media, which is probably you know I guess a detriment because I'm horrible at marketing myself. But it's also sort of like I don't think I want it to get lost in the fray and I don't want it to sort of get not brought down. But it's like when you have people from everywhere who have access to it and they don't always have the right context, then your vision or your idea can get can get muddled. And I think that's what every artist, you know, struggles with. Like, you know, playwrights always talk about once you write the play, then like you've written it, but it's then the director's vision and then the actor's vision that that add another layer and you can't change the interpretation of it. But once you've done it, you put it out into the world and however the world receives it is sort of so not up to you. I think we're dancing around the idea of community and maybe what that is now versus what that's been ever before in the history of the world, right? Because now everything's getting documented, like everything, mm-hmm. everything, everything, all the minutiae, all the crap, all the noise, right? And 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 all all the signal. But I I, I, I have a problem with cynicism now. Like I have a problem with. I don't mean personally that I'm personally cynical. I mean I have a problem with how much um, how much art is created with a wink and an elbow, or ironically, mm. or how everyone seems not everyone. I'm generalizing, but how I feel like there is uh, that it's maybe not okay to be genuine about something. Say, hey, this is the thing. This is a thing, and I made, and I believe in this, and this is, and this is it, and this is what it is, and you know, uh, maybe it's a fluff piece, and I'm super happy about it, or maybe it's you know this really serious painting that is completely amateurish, but, like, I'm really proud of it, and, and you know, as opposed to this, you know, oh, well, here we go, I, I, we made this, uh, you see this a lot on, on television shows, I think, we made this show, and it's a very smart show, but can it be a smart show without being a cynical show? And one show that I think right now is a smart show without being a cynical show is actually The Muppets. <laughs> even even with all of its, like, you know, you've got characters that are broken up, you've got, you've got some harder views on the world, but they've always been there, they're always... Got that. Yeah, it's it. Uh, Aaron and I were actually talking about that specifically on the ride over here, and sort of the mixed feelings about the new Muppet Show because mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I I enjoy it very much, but I recognize that the tone of comedy is very different, and it was particularly harsh in those first couple of episodes. And so we were talking a little bit about that sort of um, uh, that aesthetic that a lot of sitcoms have right now with that documentary style. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know you see the real life interactions talking to the group and then there's the cutaways the talking head moments where they sort of reveal their inner thoughts and especially in those first couple of episodes it was like 
you saw in the group interactions with the Muppets, the sort of typical neurotic sort of back and forth that you always saw with the characters. But then when it would cut away and you'd hear Gonzo or Kermit say something, it was really mean. Like it was really dark and really mean. And I think in a tone or a voice that I never imagined the Muppets before. Um, yeah, it was it was just the cruel comment for the punchline yeah. rather than what seemed to be a really honest emotional response of the characters we've been taught how they will respond. Um, you know, Kermit, I mean, granted it was right after our breakup, but saying just really mean, nasty, directed things at Miss Piggy, as opposed to she's always frustrated him, driven mm-hmm. him crazy. He's been straight up angry with her at points. Mm-hmm. But but they were just snipey, mean-spirited comments back and forth. Speaking of snipey, mean-spirited comments back and forth, I want to talk about Internet George comments. Lucas interview. Uh-huh. Oh, because um, I, I wanted to say a point on that oh, because, because I disagree. I, I think it, it's showing a more human side of the Muppets, right? And I think you're, you still, it, with the new Muppets, you're still kind of getting lessons from them that are so more positive than like other sitcoms because you know those of us who grew up with the Muppets you know what I mean like there's a problem and they fix it and I think you know after the death of Jim Henson and they went dark a little bit you know things changed things got harder and like with us you know the economy crashed people are out of jobs there's there is a little bit more cynicism but I think they still show buoyancy and love within the program. So yeah, you go through a breakup and you say some horrible crap about your ex. We've all done it. We've all been there, but that doesn't represent who we are as a whole. And I think it shows a very human side for the Muppets and sort of their audience where they might be at right now, you know, of like, Oh, you went through a breakup. Okay. So it wasn't your best moment, your best shining moment, but you're still redeemable. You're still. And that's, and good, that's what it feels like at the end of each know. episode. They, they, they land in a sincere place, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of sort of, Sniping, that is atypical, I think, of the the uh, classic yeah. Muppet or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but again, I you know I still enjoy the show. But one thing that I think we talking uh, Aaron and I talking on the way over was it was as as the you know it's a new show and so they're ironing things out and figuring out what mm-hmm. the rhythm was and they're as they move away from the documentary style sort of aesthetic and there aren't the talking head moments anymore there's less of an opportunity for them to be snipey so it's more like a traditional sort of like you said one camera sort of sitcom and um you know they don't get the opportunity anymore and so it's it's like it's slowly drifting back into that more traditional muppet feel i guess Mm -hmm. yes it's still modern yes it's still evolved from what it was but it's it's just a little less mean i guess yeah Speaking of mean, I want to talk about the George Lucas interview. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know that we're, I, want, I do want to keep the show evergreen, but uh, I think that I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Um, I want to talk to, about the George Lucas interview after, after the break. Um, what I'd like to do is uh, we're going to take a quick little break. And while we're on break, I want us to think about three things. If you've seen the George Lucas interview, we're you know we're going to talk about it. The one with Charlie, the one with Rose. Charlie Rose uh, that happened uh, at the end of 2015, um, in December. And uh, it, whether you have or you haven't, I want you to think about these two things. Um, let me pick the one that speaks to you, I guess. What's wrong with art? <laughs> What's wrong with it? Um, and that's intentionally pretty open. And what do you want to see more of? 
what what's happening right now that you want to see more of? Be it an actual title, product, event, feeling, whatever. So we'll talk about that after the break. Okay, everybody, that was uh, part one. Come back for part two next week. And uh, I'm not going to talk anymore, <laughs> but I will see you next week as we do part two of the countdown to the assembler. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.